This is your host, David Radney. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Scotch and Scripts. Megan, welcome to Scotch and Scripts. I'm so happy to have you on this edition. Thank you for having me. Are we going to pour our drinks yet or are we waiting? I cheated. I poured my drink. Okay, I didn't pour mine. I was gonna. I was gonna wait for you, but we could... I had to take a couple sips before we got started. What are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking actually not a scotch. I'm drinking a bourbon, a 1792 bourbon. Oh, nice. I'm drinking yeah. um, my Telemore Dew 14 year. I'm so jealous. Say some for me so I can drink with you. Yeah, it's good. We uh, got it like last week, and we already drank a third of it. So sounds about right. Yeah, that's us. Cheers. Cheers to you. Congratulations on uh, your wedding. Thank you. Super excited for you. Yeah, it was a good lead gen opportunity because, um, which I don't normally do, but they made me do a speech like in between dinner and okay. I did not want to. I was feeling, I was feeling good. I'm like, oh crap. So I did, I said, hi, thank you for coming. And I said, if anybody here is looking to buy, sell, or invest in real estate, you can call me at 201-739-8652. There you go. I was like, yeah, give it a shot. <laughs> and guess what? Someone will call you. Why? Yeah, I mean, my database, right? It's the people right. that are in my sphere. So it wasn't right. the worst idea. No, living your truth. <laughs> so Megan, tell me, how long have you been in real estate? So it's been six years, six years. And I think this month it was six years. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so one thing we commonly talk about is that the average agent doesn't make it past year number two. And I so did it. <laughs> you did it, so you're definitely above the average agent. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I've been with KW now four and a half years. Okay. Yeah. So I wanted to have you on this podcast. You know I'm all about scripts. I'm all about role playing and learning how to go out there and build our business by being a contact sport. For sell by owners, expireds, that's me. That's what I do. And yet I know that you have grown a great business, but you don't lead generate. No, <laughs> not, not in the traditional sense. Not okay. in the sit down and make calls. Um, very much like Debbie, like we like to go out and meet people, right? So for yeah. me, to go get a liquid lunch is an opportunity <laughs> to meet people. And yes. Laugh, but I just closed the day of my wedding, actually, on a bartender that I got to know by going to a bar. And she knew I was in real estate and it was kind of a learning moment for me because she had initially started working with another agent. Oh, okay. So I was a little irritated because I'm like, wow, that should have been me. Yes. But, you know, it was her husband's good friend. I'm like, all right, listen, we all have that. It's fine. But I could tell really quickly that this agent had absolutely no idea what they were doing. Mm. And I was asking my friend Ashley a couple questions and she's like, I don't know the answer to that. I go, that's a problem. Like, you need to know this. That's right. So after they lost out on a house with her, their gut just said, we're not working with you. So, I mean, again, like I, you know, we closed it and it was great. It was a great deal, but going out and getting drinks was an opportunity for her to get to know me better as Megan. And yes. then oh, I'm also in real estate. How can I help you? And I came from contribution, right? I was helping her on a deal yes. that I wasn't even a part of, but since I care about her, I wanted to make sure she was covered and she wasn't going to end up in a bad situation. And she saw that. It's not about having commission breath. You were coming from contribution and helping her. She saw that. And in the car, I was pissed. But in oh, of course, car, but I, I, I hear like, oh, you. Yeah. In the car, I was like, wow, that's brutal. I know. But it worked out. It worked out. Well, cheers to your liquid lunch. I, I maybe need to start doing more of those. That's <laughs> awesome. I'm glad that worked out for you. So <clears throat> there are so many agents that are watching these interviews, and they don't want to pick up the phone. They don't want to lead generate. So... How would you advise them to go about building a business, especially working with listings, if you aren't willing to make the calls and do the prospecting? 
Well, I think we all have to be comfortable calling our database, right? So, or texting. I mean, I say call, but really, if I called any of my girlfriends from high school, they would think that I like died or something. Yeah, Why? Yeah, it's weird. They yeah, wouldn't because it's weird. Up, it's mm -hmm. weird. So mm -hmm. I think it was just, and for me, I got into real estate right after college. So it's really the only professional career that I've ever had. So I think for me, it's been easy for people to associate real estate with Megan because that's the only job I've really ever had. Okay. Uh, so I think for me, I'm comfortable calling and texting my friends about business. I know you have always had a drunk monkey yourself about calling people you know. Yes. <laughs> blows my mind. Blows it's, my mind that you're like that. I know, and I've gotten better at it, but it yeah. definitely is a drunk monkey, a drunk monkey of mine to call people yeah. I know. I've gotten better though. And I still don't do it at a high level. I don't ask for referrals, and I'm trying to get better at using my words and saying like, "Hey, I would love to help out any of your friends. Just let me know." It's okay. uncomfortable, right? And you always assume that they're going to use you. I assumed my bartender friend Ashley would right. call me when the time came, and right. we talked about buying a home. But then there was that probably that one day. Like, you know, what's the, what's the script? Uh, in a desperate moment, you're going to get, in a weak moment, you'll get a weak agent. Absolutely. And that's kind of what it was. And I don't know where I was where she didn't reach out to me. And I do think her husband was part of it because he had the relationship and he reached out. Right. Um, but like, it's important to ask people for business. And I'm still mm -hmm. struggling with that. I'm still struggling asking my past clients for business. Most of them, I'm lucky, do refer me. Right. But I guarantee you, if I made it more systematic, I probably would get more referrals. So having a follow-up schedule with your past clients, having something to talk about, asking for the referral. Have you ever thought about doing some sort of client appreciation party? Yes. yes. So me and Scott, um, so I have my own business, and then I help Scott with his business since he's coaching, as you know. Yes. So I kind of have two different pools of business, right? And most of his clients have become my good friends, and you know we all kind of get along. So me and Scott are planning on doing a joint um, event in September. Awesome. I would love to bring Everett in. You know, he's my go-to lender, Everett um, for Bond Street. Yes. So I'm really looking forward to that because one, I think it's good to do it with another agent. If you can, it's a little bit cheaper. The event looks bigger. Yes. And in my case, like I know a lot of his clients. He knows some of my friends. So we all kind of know each other. Um, and I'm really looking forward to that because like what I've been learning is it's not so much the event. It's the invitation to the event, right? That's one touch. That's and right. Coming to the event, that's two touches. Yes. They come for the event, that's a third touch. Yes. If they don't come, you say, oh, we missed you. So you can get three touches in probably, what, a three-month span with yes. all of your past clients that you don't talk to them that frequently. I don't, at least. That's a good point. So, and I think that's my personality, right? Like, to have a party, go bowling, have some beer, is me. That is you. And I'm most comfortable in that environment. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. We haven't hammered out the details yet, but we have a rough idea for September where we want to do it. Um, we have the client list basically ready of who we're inviting. Mm -hmm. And I think that is going to push me in a good energy into the fall, into the winter. I think you're absolutely right. So from the invite to your party to thank you for coming, where in that space are you asking for a referral? You tell me, coach. <laughs> I think all three steps. I think when you call to invite them, you ask for a referral at the actual event, you ask for a referral. And then when you follow up. Yeah, it's hard for me. It's definitely hard for me, but I think I just have to own it because I like supporting other people's businesses. Absolutely. So why won't they want to support me? Like we always think we're bothering people, but yeah. when you help someone get in their home, right? I'm yeah. holding their baby while they're looking at the house or I'm dealing with a marital dispute. I'm being their mediator. Yes. They, want, they like us. They want to hear from us. They do. But I think that we just have to stop thinking that we're annoying them. 
Because if we brought them value, they're not, we're not annoying them. So there's a script, and I may get this wrong, but I think you'll get the gist of it. It's when you say, oh, there's one of your straight cats I just saw walk behind the couch. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the straight cats. Um, just calling up and saying, hey, you know, I so enjoy working with you, and typically you have friends that are just like you, and I would love to help other people that are like you purchase or buy a home or sell a home or invest in real estate. So who do you know that I can talk to? Just yeah. having that, that language and having that conversation, it takes you 30 seconds. It can be a phone call. And to your point, we're all texting now. And a text is so easy to send. If you can't send that text, then you're a baby. I mean, in bolds, when they're like, oh, the first day of bolds, right? They're like, yes. we're doing a competition. I don't normally like that because I just think, I don't mind the idea around it. I just kind of word it differently. But it's good. Like you text the people. And even, I have a couple of friends that don't use me as a real estate professional because they've had relationships for like 10 years before I was ever even in real estate. So I would okay. never touch that relationship. But doesn't mean I can't ask them if they know anyone because I might cover an area that their realtor doesn't. Or I might be a good fit for that buyer that they would never give to so-and-so. So, -and -so. so okay. I think like respecting a relationship, but also not being afraid to ask. And like asking people that have never bought with you too. Okay. Like we should be asking all of our friends. I completely agree with you. Client. Okay. So it's I'm good. Than done. It is easier said than done, but I think if you have a plan where it's mapped out this month, here's who I'm calling, here's who I'm, what I'm talking about. It's all about time blocking and following a schedule. So if you have that set up. That's, I have a problem with authority and I find scheduling an authority and I'm still struggling with that. I intend to get better with it. Mm -hmm. I just don't like having a super tight schedule. It bothers me. I like to kind of be loosey goosey. But there are times where I'm not getting things done because I'm not making it the appropriate time to do it. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so I guess that leads me to my next question. So I want to kind of know what your big why is. Why are you doing this business? What's important to you? And in order to hit those goals, what do you need to do differently in your business? So I still struggle with my big why. And we've talked about this for as long as you've known me. Um, mm -hmm. My big why is to be happy, right? Like I don't have, and I already am, but I'm, I don't have a burning desire for material things. Um, so that's hard for me. Like, I'm not going to be the kind of person that's like, I'm going to drive a Maserati someday. Like, that's just not me. Gotcha. So I have a harder time finding what's going to push me beyond my comfort zone to get that. I already have a beautiful home. I'm very happy mm -hmm. where I'm at. Mm -hmm. and then there are times where I'm like, oh, well, I could be better. I could get more. So I think I'm still struggling to find my big why. And I think it just comes, I think this past year, I've really narrowed in on the kind of clients I want to work with. Yes. And that's maybe one of the biggest reasons I've always been so against FISBOs and expireds because I hate to say it, most of these people are not, pe sometimes I'm wrong, but I don't connect with them. I don't really want to help them. I know it sounds horrible. Right. I don't want to spend an entire appointment telling them why they have no idea what they're doing. Right. And I know you do that through questions. I know you're not telling them that, but I just have a really difficult time with people that don't respect our profession. Gotcha. And I would rather pour my energy into people that know they need a professional, that know we know what we're doing, mm -hmm. and build on that than trying to convince someone to trust me and then have to constantly keep up that trust the entire transaction. I, I hear you on that. However, if you change the way you look at things, <laughs> change, correct? Yes. And so is it that they're disrespecting our profession or is it that they just don't see the value in what we do because it's so easy to get your real estate license and go out there and say, I'm a realtor and really not know how to go about selling a home. And so maybe in their experience, they haven't been in front of an agent like a Megan 
or a yeah. Scott or a David that understands what needs to happen to get their property sold quickly and put more money in their pocket so they don't see the value in paying our commission. And you're right, because I've met a couple FISBOs or expireds recently, some that you've introduced me to, mm -hmm. and I didn't get them, the listing. Well, one, I think because they were overpriced, and I don't take overpriced listings, and I'm very firm on that. Good. And two, they wanted me to reduce commission. And sure. both of those ones, David, in West Milford, they're both yes. on the market, and it's been almost six months. They have I not. Know. And I I'm know. like, you know what? Did I, was I hurt that I didn't get it? Did I feel that I let you down 100%? Well, I'm looking at it like, well, they're not getting paid, right? This house isn't selling. That's right. So they have just as much money in their pocket with that house as I do right now. And I think we have to be okay sometimes with walking away. But that being said, I think if I had known my scripts better mm -hmm. and my objection handling, I think I could have overcome it a lot quicker. You know, it, it's I possible, I but I, I love what you said about you don't take overpriced listings and you're willing to walk away because look, listen, either you're going to outscript that seller or they're going to outscript you. The agent that listed that property overpriced got outscripted by that seller and they have put in tons of time marketing that property, doing open houses, paying for photos, right? They've wasted six months of their life on a listing that will not sell. No, because the right. price is wrong. Price is wrong. So I mean, maybe, maybe you'll pick it up as an expired. Maybe I can convince you to call expired. Oh, I absolutely would. I, abso I don't really have a problem with an expired because... Yes. But again, like is most of, most of the time I've been in the business, the market's been smoking hot, like crazy, crazy hot. True. So for me, I'm like, well, this expired because they're stubborn or they just don't, their motivation isn't there yet. Mm. So I think that's also like, and maybe I'm, I know I'm wrong because everyone in your class is getting his listing. So I know I'm wrong. I know every day that I'm wrong, but I just feel like I, those types of deals don't bring me joy. I don't enjoy okay. arguing with someone or having to overcome. I don't like that. I'd gotcha. rather meet with a seller that I kind of know through a friend or through a referral and go in there and build a relationship based off of mutual respect than me having to bring them up to speed on how real estate's done and then beat them down on price, then beat them on commission. Like I, it, I, just, I find it tiring. It just does, doesn't make me happy. And listen, I would prefer to work with people that I knew where it was a warm yeah. introduction. I would prefer that. However, you and I had a conversation about this earlier. Yeah. Doing it that way, your business is kind of up and down. Oh it's my God, up quick, and down. Right? It's a disaster. If you're prospecting and you have leads in your pipeline that are going to be converting into listings, it's a little bit more predictable on how much money you make and how you spend your time. So how, how do you feel about having a business that's not predictable? I hate it. It's And I think this past year is starting to wear on me more and more. I okay. Working with a buyer, and you know, I work with a lot of buyers. I do a lot of buyer business. Yes. And it's not their fault, but like working with a buyer for a year is exhausting. It's a lot of work. Uh, yeah. And now, mind you, it's it's good because you 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 build a really strong relationship with them. I mean, yes. my buyer clients are some of my biggest advocates because I'm spending so much time with them. I'm right. meeting with their parents. I'm meeting their kids. Um, but it's tiring. It's tiring when you have like four buyers that are just in limbo right now. Mm -hmm. and you have the business, right? On a spreadsheet, it's there. Yes. But it's not, it's not actually showing up in a green sheet, right? It's not showing up in my bank account. So like right now, I know I have at least two clients, buyer clients that I should be circle prospecting for. Right. Now I do circle prospect, not at a high level and not consistently, but I have done it. It doesn't bother me to do that because it's kind of like a warm... It's not, I'm not, of course it's, and I'm more just sharing information. Like you always say, it's a good story to tell, right? You're telling them, Hey, somebody really likes your neighborhood. Who do you know that's looking to sell? Right. And that's I right. have no problem asking for help. 
And I'm comfortable with that. I am comfortable calling a neighbor and being like, hey, can you help me? I know I'm not trying to list your home unless you're looking to sell. Then we can have a conversation. But who do you know? Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's becoming an easier way for me to also get to know the area I work in to get right. to know the neighborhoods better. And I just, I prefer those phone calls. I feel like I'm doing my job for my buyer and they're seeing me present in a way that not a lot of salespeople are seeing. That's right. And also you can pick up listings because sellers are seeing you hustle yep. and they see you putting yourself out there. And if they do need to sell their home and you happen to call and you hit that person at the right time, you can create an opportunity to get a listing. Yeah, and I kind of even say to them, I'm like, when people get frustrated, I'm like, oh, you know, I know how it is. Realtors are always annoying until you need to buy a house or sell a house, right? We're all really annoying until you think we're not doing enough. So it's go. like, but you got to do that when they're joking around with you. Oh, of course. And you don't do it to someone that's angry because someone that's angry, you just let it go. But most of the time in your circle prospect, it's either someone that wants to talk on the phone or they just don't pick up the phone. So it's interesting. I don't um, pick up the phone. I don't answer my door. So I'm that person that you're never going to reach because I'm just right. not speaking to you. I'm just not going right. to. So I've had a lot of people tell me recently that they're not getting people on the phone. I'm calling every day. I'm calling physicals. I'm calling expires. Nobody's answering. So today I sat down this morning and called for 40 minutes. I talked to five for sale by owners. So people aren't making the calls because people will answer. Yeah. And what, what I realized, um, I left corporate America to get into real estate. And so I'm looking at how do I replace the salary I had with real estate? What do I need to do? And so in the beginning, I was working with buyers, helping them find HUD investment properties. And then very quickly, I realized I needed to get listings in order to make the type of money I wanted to make and have flexibility in my schedule. Yeah. I looked at how much I was making per hour working with buyers versus what I was making with sellers, there's a huge difference. You, you, there is. And it's funny because I still prefer buyers, weirdly. No, that's I not listen, weird. I love a listing, but I'm, I'm at the point now where when you're in a tough market, which we're seeing in a lot of areas right now, right? I'm in a tough market with some of my buyers. I, it's, it's almost easier for me to be like, we're going to find you a house, right? right? There's tons that come on. We can, we can open up our search areas. We can maybe boost our budget up a little bit since you've been saving money this whole year we've been looking. Right. I find it a lot harder when you have a listing that's not selling because you're just trying to bring somebody in. Right. Where when you have a buyer, I feel like I almost have more control over getting them into a house. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But when I have a listing that's not selling, it gives right. me so much more stress because there's only so much we can do until sometimes it really is the market. And right. we don't make the market. I wish we did. All we have to do is be strong on our price reduction scripts. And more importantly, to your earlier point, don't take them if they're overpriced. Yeah. Right? yeah. So I wanted to find out what is your biggest strength when it comes to real estate? What do you see as your biggest strength? So I think it's the past year, it's been setting expectations, especially with my buyers. I do a buyer consultation. And depending on how much knowledge that buyer has, it could be an hour. It could be 20 minutes. Um, but I found that when I do my buyer consultation, I'm setting the expectation that one, they're working with Everett or at least talking to Everett okay. Two, they're going to use my inspector. Mm -hmm. Three, they're going to use my preferred attorney Four, they're going to use Carnegie title five. They're using Carnegie home and auto. Like I'm setting the expectation of like, this is what you get with me. These right. are all the things that you would have to do yourself. But since I'm a professional and I, I told people, I go, you know, my second year in the business, I didn't have this team. This has taken me six years to build right. this badass team that's going to hustle for you. 
Do you want my team or do you want to find your own team? Do you want to have to make calls at 9.30 at night to your lender who's not talking to me? Or do you want me to call Everett the minute we're in the house saying, Everett, what are the monthly payments? Give me my pre-approval, let's go. Like, what do you want? Yeah. And I find it that when I do that up front, the whole transaction is smoother. Obviously, there's normal drama with it. Um, and then the few times, I'm like, oh, we don't need to do a buyer. I get screwed somewhere. Of course you do. And it's like, and I don't tell them, I'm like, I'm not telling you to use my team because I get something out of it. What you get out of it is that you don't have to worry about making sure everyone talks to each other. That's my job. That's your job. So one expectation I didn't have here you bring up, signing the buyer rep agreement. Do you require that when you work with a buyer? Only when I'm involved. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know what okay. it is though? I, I don't really, um, I think the buyer console process in itself is like a, a commitment. I mean, for them to sit down and not see houses and to just meet with me, her yes. hour is kind of like that. Now, do I think I should have it signed? Sure. I don't know if I'll ever do it. I just don't think that's me. Okay. And I don't really feel like at the end of the day, it's going to protect me. I mean, is it? Like, have you ever been it, screwed by not having it signed? Not really. I mean, have I lost buyers? Absolutely. But I've lost buyers because we weren't the right fit. I understand that. You know what I mean? I like having it, but I also don't think that I would ever make someone work with me if they didn't want to. So at that point, it's like, I think if, I don't know, I think it's better if there's a FISBO involved, but also like, I don't know, I've had clients buy off market properties. I don't get, I don't get paid and does it suck? Yeah. But at the end of the day, they appreciate what I've done for them and they feel bad. I'm not going to ask them to pay, to pay me. Okay. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I have a challenge for you. All right. Your next buyer consultation, have the paperwork. And when yeah. you're done, say, okay, so for me to get going for you and go to work, you just have to sign this paperwork, have them sign it. And I guarantee you they will. And if they don't, fine. But yeah. I would just challenge you, everyone you talk to, yeah. to, ask them to sign it and see how they respond. Why do you feel like it's important? Well, because I feel like you're signing a commitment that we are working together. And I explained to them that when you sign this document, I'm your agent. So when you go to an open house, here's a stack of my cards. You give that, you know, to this person holding the open house so they know that you're represented. If you see it for sale by owner, you don't call them. You call me and I actually will schedule that appointment for you. I work for you. Yeah. And the way I set mine up, they don't pay me a commission. So I don't, the commission's paid by the seller and I make sure they know that in the agreement that yeah. if the seller's not willing to pay a commission, they don't owe me anything. Yeah. However, for me to take time and circle prospect and look up properties and go out and show you properties, I want to know that you're committed to me and I want you to know that I'm completely committed to you. And if you're not willing to sign that, I need to really think about whether or not you're worth me spending hours upon hours upon hours with out in the field. I think I would be more um, intense about doing that if it was like a random buyer from an open house. Right. So many of my buyers are like my friends or, right. or like Scott's friends or his database. So they're very warm and yeah. they're coming directly to us immediately. So I think it's a little bit different when it's like, oh, it's like I, I went to college with this kid. Like we're, we went to college together. So it's a little bit different. And whenever I've done bold, I've had them sign it and nobody cares. Nobody pays attention to anything they sign anymore. No, they nobody don't. Does. Nobody does. So knowing that, just have them sign because they don't care, Megan. Just have them sign. I, I don't want you to get burned. And I know so many people who have been burned. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's just part of it, right? I mean, it's like the, there's always a listing that doesn't sell. 
So right. there's always going to be a buyer that doesn't close. This is but true. But I don't guess, let it happen because you didn't do your due diligence. Well, I think like you're saying though, the paper isn't about the, the commitment. It's about the expectation of you go to me first. I'm the first line of defense. Don't be right. stupid and right. run off and have a weak moment. Yep. And, I, and I do discuss that in, in the buyer consult process. And that's where I also set expectations about inspections. I'm like, listen, an inspection is to learn about the home. It okay. is not here for you to get your renovations done. That's not what it's here for. Okay. And that is significantly reduced. I don't think I really have ever had any deals fall through after inspections. That's awesome. So, what's your USP? Your unique selling proposition when it comes to buyers? You don't know? I don't know. I think I, I know what it is. What is it? What you already said. You have a team. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have Everett. You have your home. You have all these people lined up. That's your USP. Yeah. And that's how you show value is that you have a team of people that work with you, whether it's on the buy side or even if it's on the listing side, when it yeah. comes to listings, you have your photographer, yep. all the people that you work to, with to make sure that listing goes up and that yep. it gets sold. And so I think that's one good thing a lot of agents don't have. We wing it. Oh my God. I think that was where I started to lose my mind. Uh -huh. was I didn't have a consistent team. So like I was away for 10 days on my honeymoon and I gave Debbie, you know, my breakdown of all my clients. And I said, Every single one of my clients is working with Everett and almost, almost every single one is using my attorney. So my attorney and I have a great relationship, David York. He's spectacular. I almost don't want to tell people. I don't want to be using him. <laughs> he's amazing. Okay. Spectacular. So when I left, I was like, everyone's good. Everett has my back 110%. Debbie knows most of my clients anyway, just through verbal and our, you know, we're very good friends and my attorney kicks ass for me. So I left knowing that I didn't have any weak buyer that was not listening to me. So I don't like when buyers don't listen to me. It's like, I mean, listen, you're gonna have the people that owe my aunt's attorney, and that's fine, listen. Yes. At the end of the day, that's fine. But I say to them, I will do my best, but if your attorney doesn't talk to me, then don't come to me and there's a problem, it's on you. And I've, gone, I've gotten okay at telling them, well, no, you have to do this work now. Because if you're not using my team and they don't wanna work with me, it's on you. That's your right. choice. And then you gotta pick up some of the slack. Good for you. And I'm always right. And they always do because the attorneys don't want to talk to me. Okay. I, I appreciate you sharing that, Megan. So there are so many new agents that are plugging into this podcast. What would you tell them? What would you tell, let's back it up a little bit. What would you tell Megan six years ago when you first got into the business? What advice would you give your earlier self on how to be successful in real estate based on what you currently know? Um, go straight to Keller Williams. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> blank company and go straight to KW. Why yeah. is that? Um, because I think I wasted a year and a half of my um, energy and my excitement. And I think by the time I came to KW, I was a little bit already burnt out and like a little bit um, beaten down. Okay. And again, that's also bullshit on mine because at any time I can change who I am and become a lead generator and, and become that person. But I think it was the fact that like I had a year and a half where I just was floating lost. Mm. And that happens at KW too. You can't say that it doesn't. It happens everywhere. It happens everywhere. More people in KW that would keep me on track. Mm -hmm. um, but I think for me in the beginning, it would really, I think a lot of new agents make the mistake of always being available. And I think it's the single biggest mistake you can do because there's going to be a point in time where your business catches up to your expectation and you're not going to be able to manage it. If you have a client calling you at 9:45 at night and you're okay with that, that's fine. But I think that it's almost, um, it's almost, in, it's hurting the entire industry. Right. The attorneys are not working at 945 at night. 
No. Like, can call me and they can have this great idea, but nothing's going to happen until the next business day anyway. Mm -hmm. I've gotten really good at just setting boundaries and having personal time and just knowing that like things can wait. We always like to have urgency and our clients bring us urgency all the time, right. but their urgency shouldn't be our emergency. Like it shouldn't be. We have it. to be the calm ones that are like, okay, this can wait. And most of the time, like if you let the phone ring, they're fine. They're not going to leave you for someone else. And if they do, good riddance. They weren't your client to begin with. So I think it was going back then would be build your team mm -hmm. and protect your time. Even if you're not doing anything. Yes. There's someone calls me at eight o'clock at night. Maybe Matt's not home yet, but it's not the point. I don't want to be working at 8 p.m. on a Friday night. I don't. Gotcha. No. I mean, certain people, it depends. Well, here's the thing, though. I think a lot of people create that urgency and answer calls all the time because it makes them feel like they're busy and they're doing yeah. some work. But don't mistake movement for achievement. Movement for achievement. Thank you. And they feel like, hey, I had a busy day at work today. But if they really just dial it back, did they do anything to earn income today? So that's my other biggest aha is, you know, right. I can stay and make a beautiful infographic, right? You know, I love my little infographics and I can spend an hour on that. And right. will it help my business later on? Sure. Like my buyer console package is beautiful. But yeah, like that's not making me money, right? Right. And like we all get, like, like you said, like, oh, I'm answering phone calls from an age. Well, really, you're not making money from that. Sometimes you are. Mm -hmm. But I think it's understanding what makes us money and what is part of our admin duties. Right. And they're not the same thing. I like they're doing not. paperwork, so I'm fine with it. But I think it took me a long time to be like, oh, well, I have four buyers in the pipeline. Well, they're not buying today. So you're not making money today. So what is making you money today? And what I still struggle doing? with that. I still no. struggle. I think we all struggle with that, Megan. I had a coach uh, years ago and he sat me down and he said, listen, Michelle's at work every day, five days a week, working her butt off. You've already told me that. And so how do you think dinner conversation would go if you sat down tonight and said, hey, honey, I know you've been working all day. I didn't do anything to create income for our family today. I did my infographics, right? I went to a class. I watched a YouTube video. I went on broker tour. I did all these activities to make us feel like we're busy, but when it comes down to it, I didn't do any activity that's going to put money in our pocket. A hundred percent. And I was so guilty. I still am. What am I? I'm still guilty of that. <laughs> I am, but I also, again, I also like a different life than most. I don't think I need a lot. Material things don't get me going. Okay. Being a mega agent is like what my torture would be if I had to be tortured. It would be like, you're a mega agent doing 300 million. Go. I'd be like, oh my God, that's not what I want. Yes. I don't want that. Yeah. So I think it's just finding your voice, finding out what you want, and don't let someone else tell you that you have to be doing 12 million a year. If you don't want that, that is okay. That's and I right. think that's one of the things where I also have struggled, where like I'm setting goals for myself because of other people telling me those are my goals. But when it comes down to it, like, is that really my goal? Or right. am I doing that because everyone else is saying that's their goal? I understand. Like, do I really want to have 12 listings at a time? Well, probably, I probably would because they're easier than buyers. But I don't know. I think it's just listening to your voice and knowing what you want and not letting other people's dreams become yours. And I think that was my biggest issue was like, I'm looking at everyone else around me and I'm like, well, I gotta be that person. I gotta be that person. No, yeah. I'm Megan. And the kind of business that I desire is not what you desire. I mean, we have very different styles, but we still have like wonderful business conversations. But I would say you and I have very different businesses. And oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I talk to so many agents in the push program and someone will say, well, my goal this year is to do 12 million. 
And the next person's like, well, I want to do 12. And I'm like, do you want to do you want to do 12? Like, it's okay if you only want to do $2 million. If making 40 grand is enough to do what you want to do and go on some family vacations and buy a new car, then 40 grand is your number. It doesn't have to be 2 million or 12 million or 50 million. So I, I love that you brought that up. Ideally, I would be very happy being an eight to $10 million producer, which is still a ton of business. Yes. Uh, but I think that would be where I'm comfortable because it's very important for me to not work a lot. Okay. Um, I grew up with people, you know, my parents worked 24 seven for 26 years straight, like never, ever not worked. And I definitely was affected by that as a kid. And okay. as an adult, like they make fun of me. They're like, oh, you're going to the pool with Deb? I'm like, yeah, because I want to enjoy my life. I can work in, until I'm 60, but if I die at 62, what the hell is it for? And that's why I've always loved you, David, because you work really hard, but you also enjoy your life a lot. You enjoy your girls. You and Michelle go on dates all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that if more people in this country did that, we'd yeah. all be so much happier. You can't work all the time. You have to I have agree. that balance. I so agree with you on that. So we're, we're wrapping up now. I promise you we wouldn't go too much over half an hour. I could talk for five hours. You know that. I don't care. Well, I have a question for you, and then I want you to come up with a question for the next person I interview. Oh, no. <laughs> My question like for you. No, it's going to be easy. Don't worry about it. What celebrity or person, it doesn't have to be a celebrity, would you like to meet dead or alive? And if you had a chance to meet them, what would your question be for them? Uh, wow. Celebrity, dead or, well, probably alive for me. Um... I actually think I'm stuck between Steve Carell and Donald Glover. Ooh. So Donald Glover has just accomplished so much in his life. Yes, he has. So I'm like madly in love with him. And I just, I actually think I probably want to ask him because he's done everything, right? Okay. He's, he's done comedy, he's a writer, he's an actor, he's a singer, like he does, he dances, he does everything. Yes. So I think I would love to ask him like how, I, I, it's almost overwhelming to me if someone's that talented because I'm not that talented. So mm. like how manage all that and what is I'm curious what his big why is what is his big why he's a triple threat he's a quadruple he's a, threat. yeah he's, yeah. And he's I saw, he did a movie with Rihanna I don't know if you saw uh, it yeah I watch it four times I love watching them dance together that was awesome yes yes yeah, it was really good so okay that's great and then Steve Carell come on Michael Scott the office like and he had definitely he blossomed much later in life right his career wasn't big until he was a little bit older Yep. Um, so I think that would be really interesting to be like, well, how do you keep going when success happens in your 40s? And I think that's my biggest freaking issue is that I got into this business so young. And what does that tell you? Oh, well, I have time. I have time. I, I'm only 22. Right. I'm only 20. Well, now I'm almost 28. And what do I have to show for it? Am I really that much better than I was five years ago? In some ways, yes. And in other ways, absolutely not. So I think like that, I, I rest on my laurels going, well, I'm young and I know and eventually I'll be like a Donna Nikolic, eventually. Yes. If I'm not doing the activities to get there now, I'm going to get there in 30 years when I want to retire. So I think it's, I've been resting on my age. Yes. And, well, I'm young. I, it's okay if I'm not making, you know, 300K. I'm 27. No, no. I like, I lie to myself better than anyone could ever lie to me. Can I share something with you that might be a little scary? Oh, no. When I was around your age, I used to say, I'm going to be retired at 50, and here's what I plan on doing. Guess what? I'll be 50 in like four years. I'm not even close. Because you have kids. Well, that's, <laughs> that's part of it. But it's just I don't have kids, man. Quickly. It goes so I know. Quick. 
Well, and I think that's why last year I had a bit of a meltdown last year. Some people were there witnessed it. Natalie witnessed it. Scott did. I had a meltdown. Because wow. I think it hit me. I'm like, oh my God, Megan. Like, do you really think you have this much time? Like, why are you, this is your time to hustle because you're young. And right. I think I looked at it as, oh, well, I'm young. It'll take some time. It'll take some time. But we all know. I mean, look at Sam. Sam's what, 19? He's hustling his ass off. So yeah. he wasn't doing what I was doing, going, well, I'm young. It's okay because I'm young. He doesn't care about that. He's working. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's something that I still struggle with. And okay. now I'm like, not that young. Any- I mean, I know I'm young, but I'm saying I've been in business six years. What do I have to show for it? That's something that I struggle with. Okay. And I'm the kind of person that when I reach um, a stressful point, sometimes I just submit and I don't really fight, which is shocking to some people because I'm very mouthy. But yes. when it comes to myself, I don't know. I'm not always nice to myself. Hmm. We have to have a side conversation about this. We do. We, we have the best interview part two. We will we'll have another uh, interview about it. What's a question you can give me that I can post to the next person I interview oh, about man. business? It can be personal. It doesn't matter the question, but I want a question from you. Well, I really think, I think we talk so much about numbers in real estate and it's super important to know your numbers, but I don't think en- enough of us are talking like, what does it look like when you're there? And I don't even really mean like about, I mean, people always talk, well, I want this and I want that, but will you be happier if you're doing this business? What makes you happy? And I think that is like my whole thing is I want to work as much as I can, as long as I'm happy. Okay. I want to be happy. I want to wake up every day and not feel the dread of, of work and not feel the pressure of having to show up for someone else. So I think I think if we all took a step back and asked ourselves, like, what makes us happy? And are we doing this for appearances or are we doing it for ourselves? And I think that a lot of people chase business because it makes them get, they get high off it. But at the end of the day, I don't know if they're that much happier than me. And, you know, maybe they have more money, but I don't know. Well, listen, money's not everything, right? There are plenty of people with millions of dollars who are depressed. I mean, you see it all the time with the suicides we're having. And there are plenty of people that are barely making it, but they love their family and they're happy. I think that's my biggest, and we talk about this all the time, you and I, I think that's really it for me. Like I care about business, but I care about my, my mental health too. I want to be happy. I want to have time with my friends. I want to be able to go to the beach. If I want to go to the beach with Debbie for two days and blow off work, I want to be able to go hang by the pool. And I find that we all shame each other. Like, Oh, well, you're not working today you i'm sorry like amen out of here i could die tomorrow and i don't want to work saving up for the future that future never comes that's right so i think that would be my question like how do you balance it and what actually makes you happy and not what you think your spreadsheet should say that makes you happy i love that and you know one my clients are happy say again well i'm happy my clients are happy and when That's I have really a client, when I have clients that are that are similar to me, right, that that respect me, that have trusted me, my right. transactions they go better. And when I have a client that thinks that I'm the enemy, whether it's a seller or a buyer, they want to blame me or project their stuff onto me. I don't want to work as hard for them because we just don't see eye to eye. Mm. And I think that's really important is to surround yourself with people that make you a better agent. And that's our clients. I love it, Megan. I love it. So I just want to leave you with this. I post, you know, every Monday, I'm posting my photography and where I go hiking. And I do that. Number one, I want to show off all the beauty I see. But I also want to do what you just said. I want to show people that we have to take a mental health break and take time for us. Because if we're doing this right, there are 168 hours a week. 
you should be able to carve out some time for yourself and to spend time with friends and to go to the beach or sit by the pool. And it's okay to do that. Yeah, it absolutely is. And again, like when me and Debbie go out, you don't think me and her talk about real estate to the person next to us. Me and Pete went and got drinks in Ridgewood. Now, mind you, this didn't amount to anything, but him and I both met a guy that has, I think, 20 to 30 investment properties in Pennsylvania. Wow. So like, I mean, mind you, like we talked about buying stuff around here. It just didn't work out. But that was still an opportunity that I got by just being at lunch in yep. and talking about business openly where people then want to have a conversation. That's awesome. So like, I just think it's, it just think real estate can be such a different animal. And I, I'm curious what you think about this, not trying to drag us on any longer, but do you think in the next 10 years, lead gen is going to look different as more and more people don't use their phones the way that we used to use our phones? Or do you think that's my drunk monkey and I'm making that up? <laughs> that is not your drunk monkey. I actually think it's starting to look different already. I believe if you don't have a presence on social media, yes. whether it's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter in some capacity, and you're not using that to get out there and lead gen and prospect and build your brand, you're going to be lost in the next five to 10 years. And that's why you see me posting every day yeah. to create a presence, to meet people. I've gotten deals. I've gotten listings off of what I post online. So things have already starting to change. And now we're going to be at a point where if for sale, my owner will say, you know, I'm tired of doing this. Alexa, can you tell me a local realtor I should call? And they're going to spit out three or four names. That's where we're headed. It is where we're headed. And I so, think it's going to be more belly to belly. More belly to belly. Which I love. I love that. Especially so with this in hand. That. You can just yeah. make that easier. Just say, hey, <laughs> lunch, belly to belly. Yeah, I, when I started, I mean, I'm still not doing it consistently enough, but Nick, you know, our social media um, in the office, he was like, Megan, you, ha you have a great personality. Like, why are you not doing more video? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I'm not really shy. I mean, you know that. I had a podcast with Scott and Michael for like two years. So yeah. I'm used to being on. Yeah. And what I did on my one listing in town, I did a bunch of videos on it. The, I mean, I got a lot of realtors reaching out, obviously. But right. I also got a lot of people that were responding to me that don't normally engage with my stuff. I hear you. And you're like, wow, that's actually like a really big deal. And I think too many realtors shove it in their face of it's too um, commercial. And I think you just have to be you. And right. me and Nick are going to work on some goofy things. Like, I don't know, I'm kind of a, like a weird person sometimes. So I'm like, well, what if I could be goofy and have that in my Instagram highlight? And so if someone's looking at me, they know I'm in business, but they also know I have my cats I'm obsessed with. They know that I have my dog and they know right. that I like to drink, I like to go out. So I think it's just being not just a realtor, it's being everything. Yes. I feel like if I, if we all poured more energy into social media, I actually think we would be getting more warm leads off our database. So, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk would say that you should create a TV show like The Office for yourself, where oh you're God. the agent, your personality, you're out talking to people, you're out getting drinks. And once I return your GoPro to you, you can, <laughs> you can use your GoPro and actually yeah. get out there and just kind of create a TV show around you and your business and what you do. People are going to tune into that. I don't even watch TV anymore. I watch maybe Netflix so I can watch Stranger Things. But I'm yeah. on YouTube all day plugging into yeah. other people who are blogging and podcasting. Maybe that's how you use it. Use your personality and create yeah. your show. I think that's what I'm going to do because that brings me joy. Now, the only thing is I don't want to get too caught up in making the content that I'm not selling real estate. So I, I just, I have to try to find the healthy balance between the two. The content is you selling real estate. It's recording what you do as you do it. And that is the content. 
yeah. It's your life. I'm definitely trying to work on that because once I did the video, I was like, wow, that one, that was super easy. Yep. It wasn't as difficult as I thought. I would never go live. I don't think live is my thing. I just, I like to have content that's like, I know I'm happy with. I don't want to put the pressure on myself. Um, but I find that whenever I have done like a social media story, you know, like Instagram story, I get people that I'm like, wow, I didn't realize they were paying attention to me. And they'd say, oh my God, Megan, congrats. That's and you're awesome. Like, Damn. Like, so then I think we have, and this is what I've talked to you about, David, a million times is like, I think there's enough scripts for Fizbo's and Expires till 2090. Oh, yeah. We're yeah. good. I, I find it frustrating the lack of scripts when it's like your database like how does how do you engage with someone on social media like oh Meg congrats like oh thanks like there was a girl that was like oh my god Meg congrats on your home and I'm like oh it's not my house <laughs> I'm actually in real estate I'm selling this home with my listing but like how else like I think that's what I would want to work on is like how else can you engage with someone Obviously, like you want to be normal, be your person, but what's your call to action? What is your question you're asking them? So then when the time comes, they think of you. So I would like to see out there more um, person to person friend yes. scripts, not so, like business, like suit and tie script. No, I hear you. Let me share this one with you and then we're going to wrap up. It can be a text. It can be a conversation. Don't keep me a secret agent. When you hear someone talk about buying, selling, or investment, investing, give me a call and pass their information on to me. Don't, yeah. don't keep me a secret. Share me with people, right? So true. So true. Use your personality to say it, but that's kind of what you want to get across. Don't keep me a secret. Share me with people that need my help. This is not my listing. I'm selling this house for someone. Who do you know that I can help sell? You see, I'm out here doing my thing. So yeah. this is the type of thing I, I would love to see you share. Yeah, uh, it's going to be my, my one thing for probably the rest of the year is just work on creating content because um, that makes me happy. So like that kind of lead gen makes me happy. Um, That's easy. That's easy lead gen. And it's free. Yeah. Guess what? It's free. So free. So Cheers free. to you, kid. Cheers. Thank you. Love you, David. Thank You're you. the best. Love you too. And we'll do it again. I want to talk some more. All right. Sounds good. All right. Be good. <laughs> I will.